share a little bit from the Word with you uh, this evening and um, uh, some of the things I will reiterate. What I would like for all of us to do is to give ourselves so to the Lord that He can do whatever He wants to do. And that's very important uh, to, to my heart, my life. As I grow older, I realize that I could have done better. Uh, as I said to you a few weeks ago, I have not always been a diligent seeker, but I was becoming one. I was becoming one. And I want us all to be a diligent seeker and position ourselves so that when we open the Word of God, God speaks to us. Something that has been happening in my own life as I continue to share this story in John chapter 9, that this that has been happening in my own life is that so many times when I pray, it's within an hour or so that God answers, and sometimes immediately. It is amazing. I was praying for my grandson, Elijah, because Elijah is playing football and he's going to school, uh, going to the classroom, and he is under 12 years old and he has not received a vaccination. When I was a child, I received vaccinations or many years old as I am. Um, it wasn't so controversial and political. And then uh, when I was in the military, any military people here? Did you receive any vaccinations? Uh, I received so many. I remember one, it's, it's, not, it's not a favorite uh, story, but um, I was a platoon leader and uh, they, we, they were giving us these vaccinations, the whole company, and guys were falling all on the ground. And so I said to my guys, don't, don't pay any attention to these guys. They're, they're just trying to make you afraid. Don't you pay any attention to them. I said, you know, we're soldiers, we're men. We're gonna get our shots, and da, da, da. So when we got up there, I was in, in the back and uh, because I was the, the, the leader of the platoon. And there was a guy in front of me, and then there was a guy in front of me, uh, in front of him, that was very, very fair. Very, very fair. And, um, and so uh, we got up there, I was telling him, don't worry, even in our own platoon, I said, don't pay attention to those guys, they're just following suit. And when they gave this guy a shot, he's being very, very fair, his neck turned beet red. I said, oh my God. It's bad. <laughs> and I didn't fall on the ground, but I felt like my arm did. But we, we had lots of those. So I was praying for my, my grandson, Elijah, and I said, I, I will tell his dad. I'm so sorry. Hold on. I told his dad, I know I, I was praying, I will tell his dad to give him such and such um, a vitamin and uh, to make sure he gives him this vitamin. And the minute I said that, the Lord spoke clearly to me and said, and so such and such. I said, wow. Wow. So that is the life that God is offering all of us. I'm telling you, amen. Amen. So when we talk about these things, I'm not talking about them as, they, as I'm wishing them to happen. They will happen. Now, I've used a lot of my time.
to share those things with you. But let me talk a little bit more about this story. Many of the things we have uh, shared before in John chapter 9, it's one of the most beautiful chapters. If you read Spanish, I would love for you to take this assignment on. I know you read Spanish. And so I would like for you to read Spanish, to, to use the Nueva Versión Internacional. I would like for you to read this chapter and just enjoy it in, in that in that. Uh, version of the Bible. Just enjoy it. It is, it is so astounding that, that Jesus takes on a very, very hard case. He took hard cases that, so that those rulers would know that he was coming from God. He didn't take easy cases. He, he wasn't healing coals and uh, a little, uh, a little rashes on the finger. He was healing stuff that was really deep. And so I want us to know that. Jesus proves himself over and over. Um, I call this, that they may see part four, uh, part two, but give God the glory is what they were saying to him. Or you confess that it's God, give God the glory. And, and let's renounce this man, Jesus. And that is pressure. Believers, I want you to hear me. I, I'm pleading with you, I'm imploring with you that you will believe the gospel and not the rhetoric of the world. And so let's look at this story. I'm going to start with verse 24 uh, because um, his parents were afraid of them and the parents were um, giving their son up. I mean, that's unspeakable, isn't it? But so let me start in verse 24 after that. So there again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. He said, uh, we know that this man is a sinner. No, the polar opposite. So what the world is saying, and even with some religious people, I'm going to call them religious people, not Christians. Even with some of them, they have gone over to the other side. Uh, and so they don't know it yet, but they have because they have believed the lie rather than the truth. It says, verse 25 says, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And Jesus has come to give uh, sight to all of us. All of us were at one time blind. So let's not be such a hard case against sinners. This is what we know, and I've taught this for uh, 35 years here in the fellowship, that sinners sin. So get used to it. Sinners sin. Why are you so appalled that sinners sin? You were once a sinner. And the reason some people say, well, we, I still am. Well, I don't really uh, take to that biblically because uh, the Bible calls us now sanctified ones. Sanctified, set apart ones. So, yes, you have the sin nature still and you refuse it. But I would never classify you as a sinner. I will classify you as a sanctified one, one set aside for God's exclusive use and purposes. Amen. So you're a, you're a sanctified one. And if you're a sanctified one, you're a saint. You don't have to die and get approval. I'm not picking, but I've got to tell the truth. You don't have to die and have somebody now classify you as a saint. God has done that when he sanctified you. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. And you, you are, you have been sanctified. Sanctification is instantaneous and it is uh, progressive. It is both. It is both. God sanctifies you, sets you apart, and then he continues the process. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us that, um, that we are declared righteous 
that we are declared righteous. And then he also tells us later that we are made righteous. Now, we are declared judicially, judicially. God, the ju righteous judge, declares us because he, he places us in his son. And then through the process of sanctification. Now, it's instantaneous and it is uh, a process. And so when he processed the process of sanctification, then by that process, we are now made uh, into whatever God has declared. That, that's so big, isn't it? It's big to me. Amen. So the blind man said, though I was blind, now I see. Uh, then they said again, then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? Uh, I said, I think in the service that I don't think this, this man was being smart mouth. How did, how did I say that? Something like that. And somebody told me, one of the staff said, Pastor, I think he was being a little smart mouth. <laughs> it is certainly sweet, wonderful. He says, so then they reviled him and said, they talked ugly about him, reviled him, and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. So John chapter 5, verses 45 through 47 said, do not think that I shall accuse you, Jesus is speaking, <clears throat> before the Father, or to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. And so he says, no, Moses, how, how is it that Moses accuses them? Because they really didn't believe what he said. They did not believe the Scriptures. And so there are many of us, when we look at the Scriptures, we sometimes look at what our eyes can see rather than what our hearts are, are inclined to, and we say, um, we make excuses for the Scripture. And, and frankly, I've seen so much of it. It is disheartening. It causes my heart to break. We take the side of the world. And so I have started to classify those people not as true believers, but as churchgoers. So Jesus said, he said, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so it is imperative that we believe the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It is imperative. And the more you, the more you see that day approaching, the more you should should come together, gather together, and believe every word of God. Not some of the words of God or most of the words of God, but every word of God. As this man who recently in this story had his eyes open, he, so you, we know that more than physical sight happened. When you, uh, you and I uh, really come to a place where we have uh, full sight, that is uh, spiritual sight, we are different. Now, if you watch too much television and listen to too much of the chatter out there, it will fight against your spiritual uh, sight. It will do that. So you want to be careful about that. I used to be a news junkie because, as you know, I, I, I studied political science, and I wanted to get involved in that, and I thought I could really help the world. I could help people because I knew I'd be just. And it didn't matter who it was, I was going to be just. That's the way that I was reared by my parents, and that's what I learned in church growing up. You know, and so I knew that, but of course I didn't go uh, uh, that that route. I didn't go in in that route of of uh, of a political uh, science. But this is what I I know is that when our 
that the world, as I was a, new, a news junkie, and I was still saved, but really going after that stuff. And, and one of the most amazing things that happened, I've told you the, the full story, I won't tell you all of it right now, but when I was in a voting booth once, and I, I was conflicted, I didn't know what to do. I said, what do you want me to do? And he told me what he wanted me to do, and it broke my heart, I cried. I just broke down and cried. And when I pulled that lever, my tears, you know, uh, were, were, were many down my cheek. But when I pulled that lever, I was freed. And then I've been walking in freedom more and more and more until I've come to the place to where I am wholly his. Nothing in the world. And this is what God wants you to do for each one of us. He wants to do that for each one of us. You know, it's not like I'm three quarters. No, I'm operating off a full tank. And this is, all, this is God's offer to you that you cannot have interests in the world that cause you to be conflicted. Amen. Thank you. Now, so it goes on, verse 29. It says, we know that God spoke to Moses. This is what the crowd was saying to the Pharisees. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. Of course, I told you about that later already, and they did not tell the truth. Let's look at verse 30. The, uh, the man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Uh, God hears them. And so uh, in Jeremiah, when God tells us that in Jeremiah 29, uh, beginning in verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And he says, these, these are my thoughts. And my, what God is saying is my thoughts are going to be very effective for you on your behalf. So when you are God's people, you are God's property, you are God's children, his thoughts are powerful toward you. And he says, these are the thoughts. And so what God desires to do, even through the preaching of the gospel, through the sharing that we have, his thoughts, his heart is to embed his thoughts in you. That's what you, right. And then he, he, he says, then you will call upon me. So when you begin to have God's thoughts and you know God's purposes for things, then he says, what will you do then? Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. I love that. I will listen to you. Uh, now, yeah. Uh, and, so, and so that's what he says in Jeremiah. And then in verse 32 of chapter 9, he says, since the world began, it, is not, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You and I have been on an amazing journey with God. We have been on an amazing journey with God. Um, I told Pastor Ken I'd take 15 minutes, and so I, I'm going to take some back also. But, but, uh, but this, this is, uh, this is <laughs> Pastor Ken, he just does it in faith, he knows. But I, I did say some things earlier, and I, so I'm going to take some of that time that I used explaining to you. So, uh, so he says, if this man uh, uh, were not from God, he could do nothing. This should be the testimony of those of us who have a history with God. We have a history with God. And what does your history look like with God? Have you learned anything in your walk with God? Uh, I, I want to, I really need to get down. So if I, if I don't, I want to say some things about my present condition, but let me, yeah, but let me go on. They answered and said to him, uh, that is the man, 
or who was healed. You were completely born in sins. That's what they said to that man. And are you teaching us? And so this is an intimidation tactic for the world to, to uh, hit you with a barrage of uh, such statements and questions. And, and because the one who's constantly asking the questions is the one in control. I love the way Jesus didn't answer questions that he didn't want to answer, that he knew their, their, their uh, devious plans. And you and I can do the same thing because this day calls for the church to be totally different. You cannot be like those rabble-rousers out there, and some have come from the midst of us. Let's look at this verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? So, so you and I believe in Jesus right now, but I think maybe we ought to ask the question, Lord, uh, uh, Lord who, who are you that I may believe even deeper, that I may go deeper? Um, uh, and so he says, who is he? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Verse 38, then he said, Lord, I believe, I believe. And he worshiped him. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Let us look at worship as more than our singing our praise. Let us look at worship as our speech, as our confession of faith. That's worship, mostly in the Bible, is that when they worship. Now, this man didn't kneel and say, Lord, I believe, and start to sing. Now, singing is amazing, and it's wonderful. I love it, and I especially love our worship. But he says, I believe. And many places in the Bible, when the Bible says, uh, they worship him saying. So you and I must worship God by saying what he has said in the midst of overwhelming pressure. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see. So this is where we are at this particular juncture in our history and our salvation history. We're right here at verse 39. For judgment I have come into the world that those who do not see may see. Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't see. I was once blind, but now I see. And that those who see may be made blind. Those who say, we have the truth, we see what God wants, and are doing the polar opposite. Don't embrace the world's system. Embrace Jesus and what he says. Amen. So, if this seems redundant, I'm going to say I'm reiterating it. It's not redundant like the English teachers, some of you English teachers, <clears throat> used to put on a poor boy's paper <clears throat> who was trying to tell, write the story. Redundant. And uh, I have, if you all forgive me, I'll tell you a quick story. I, uh, as pastor, I've had English teachers, um, you know, in, in among me, us. And, and so I would pull out my red pen and they would bring something to me. And I would look at them, and I said, this is the revenge for English teachers. <laughs> but I, no, I really love you English teachers. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think it would be wonderful to have, say, um, uh, an English short course or a Spanish short course. It would be wonderful. Don't you think so? Yeah. I think it would be wonderful. Some of you are going, ain't no way. So. All right, let's, let's look at this, verse 40. 
Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, said to Jesus, are we blind also? Today, you and I are witnessing people that we have walked with who are, who are blind. They're blind. They're blind. And, and I, this is not a, just an offhanded comment. The Holy Spirit has given me permission to say it. They're blind. Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. What Jesus is saying is, is that they did not see Jesus. They willfully went the other way. And so Jesus says, your sin is going to remain because of, of uh, your desire to reject the truth. I would say and this is not in any way uh, refuting the scripture, but I see brothers and sisters who are blind, and I see those whose sin remains because they are refusing the truth that the Bible starkly puts before us. Uh, uh, Brother James is coming back with his team, but I want to say what I was thinking of saying earlier, what I was thinking of earlier, is that I want us all to walk with Christ in a new depth. I will want you to come to a place of resolve where you know it's Christ all the way 100%. In my recent walk with the Lord, I've seen so much. And I don't want to talk about it too much, but I want you to know everything. So I don't know how to do that without telling you. I don't know, do we turn the cameras off and our brothers and sisters online can't see, uh, see or hear. So I'm going to just step out just for maybe a, a minute or two. When the Lord revealed last year on the 30th morning of August that he wanted me to fast and he gave me an amazing experience of experiencing the Holy Spirit like I had never experienced the Holy Spirit. And I shouted out to God, I want this always. And I wanted all of you to have it too. And I came to the service that morning being so fortified by the Spirit of God. I had never had that depth of experience since the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the thing about that experience, I. I was aware that there is a rest, R-E-S-T, for the people of God, where the Spirit of God settles up. I'm so sorry. Where the Spirit of God settles upon them. And this is what I've been praying for. And when the Lord told me the cost, initially, I didn't want to pay. And uh, the cost is to live a fasted life, to live a fasted life. And in, in this process, I've been asking the Lord, help me make sure that I want to be sure that I'm not just doing something. And I am not just doing something, but I am not to be praised at all. It is for all of us that I do this. It is for me, it's for you. But I want you, those of you who are traveling on this journey, let's be all that God wants us to be. 
in this present age. And let's not settle for just a nice little relationship with God through Jesus. Let's maximize. Let's go all the way. And you're not too old, nor are you too young, nor are you too busy to do what God commands. I'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> 